Good day, brothers and sisters. Allow me to greet the members of our church in Living Word, and also allow me to greet all our Living Word outreaches all over the Philippines and in different parts of the world. I'd also like to greet uh, some people who have been viewing us from other parts of the world, coming from different churches, and I'm just so thankful to God that I'm able to reach you. So allow me to just greet the people who have been viewing us from the United States of America, from the United Kingdom, from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, all the churches in the Middle East. Let me greet also the people in Southeast Asia, uh, people from Singapore, uh, people from Indonesia, people from Malaysia. So thank you for uh, joining us in our live streams and also in our Sunday sermon videos. So allow me to just get into some announcements right now before we go to the Word of God. All our services are still suspended until further notice. So all our services are still online. We enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Kindly visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated, and also visit our website, www.livingword.ph. And also please check out our YouTube channel to view our services and our table talk as well as our intercession programs. Our sermon can also be heard over DYFR FM 98.7 on your dial every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening. We are also seen on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 o'clock in the evening. We'd also like you to check out our Facebook page because every day we have lined up several programs catering to our youth, our young adults, our couples ministry, those who are worship lovers, and also those in our children's ministry and others as well. So please check our schedules on Facebook. We are seen every day. Please do not also forget our soul care devotions which come out every single day. So we would like to admonish and exhort you to like our Facebook page and also to get our notification so that you get spiritually nourished every single day. Now, my next book, More Than Enough, uh, has been scheduled actually uh, for this April, but unfortunately, we have had this lockdown. It's already in its uh, book binding stage, but we're waiting for it to be completed so that it can be delivered to us here in Cebu and in other parts of the Philippines. So we are now giving you a pre-selling price of 300 pesos while there is still a lockdown or enhanced community quarantine. The regular retail price is 350 pesos, so you get to save 50 pesos by getting the pre-selling price. The book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings, very much relevant in our day and time as we are going through this COVID-19 crisis. Kindly text your orders to 0931037 We also have a new Gospel Center discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. 
It is available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen. Also, please do not forget our interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday that is live at 2 p.m. Also, please do not forget our intercession every Friday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon as well. Now, for those of you who are members of Living Word and those of you who would like to participate in the work of the Lord through us, we have giving channels. You can deposit your love offerings to the following banks, Banco de Oro, account name LWCCCII, and account number is 0010006080. And then we have a BPI account. Account name is Living Word Christian Ministries Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 10210234481. And finally, we also have RCBC. Account name is LWCCCII. Account number is 1452005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Just go to www.livingword.ph and kindly click the word give. And then a dialog box comes out. Click on your giving preferences. So now we are ready to go to God's Word. The title of today's sermon is The God Who Helps Us Now. I'd like us to stand in reverence of uh, the reading of God's Word in Psalm 46. So can I request all of you who are watching and viewing me right now to stand up as we honor God's Word. Let us all read Psalm 46. Psalm 46 reads, For the choir director... A psalm of the sons of Korah set to Alamoth, a song. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Psalm 46 is actually a favorite of Martin Luther. He, in fact, popularized this psalm when he came out with a song, which was his own original composition, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, to best appreciate why this psalm became a favorite 
of Martin Luther, we need to understand the personal circumstances that he was in at that time. If you recall, he was up against a very powerful church institution. He was going against it for the simple reason that it was teaching many things that were merely traditions of men, and they were teaching things that were totally unscriptural. And because of this, Martin Luther actually felt very much alone. At the beginning, it seemed like he was alone in this fight, and he was fighting an established church institution that had been there for hundreds or maybe even thousands of years. And as a result of that, he was greatly intimidated. Why? Because he was being threatened not only with persecution, but he was also being threatened with his life. And because of that, he had great fear at that time. And it was only as he read scripture, it was only as he read Psalm 46, that he was able to muster up enough strength and enough courage and fortitude to be able to continue the work of the Lord. And I believe that Psalm 46 is a psalm that would truly inspire all of us because we ourselves are in a very difficult situation, probably not as difficult as Martin Luther's situation, but we very much feel helpless in this situation. And so Psalm 46 is a psalm that could truly bless us and help us. And I hope that as we expound on this particular psalm, it would be an encouragement to all of us. Now, this psalm was a triumphal song. It was a triumphal song that was sung uh, because it somehow celebrated the ever-present help of God. It celebrated the ever-present help of God to the nation of Israel. Now, the word that we find here at the beginning is the word Alamoth. Now, the word Alamoth in Hebrew was actually associated with women. And perhaps the thought here is that this song was to be sung by women at a very ascending note. And so this was probably sung by sopranos at this time. And upon recalling this uh, particular uh, context, I remember the songs of a woman, a Christian woman by the name of Sandy Patty. I'm not sure if some of you remember Sandy Patty. Uh, the song that she, she sang that was quite famous was Upon This Rock. In fact, this was the favorite of my wife. Uh, she sang this song when she was part of a singing group called the Song Makers. And this song was sung with an ascending note. And as she began to sing about the majesty of God, the greatness of God, that God is our rock and our fortress, the notes began to ascend higher and higher and higher. And the feeling that you got was a feeling of exhilaration. And I think this was the motive and intention of the psalmist. That as they sung this song, you would have this feeling of exhilaration. Why? Because God is our ever-present help. 
Now, we have seen that our God was present in our past. We have seen that our God will be present in the future. But I think what hits us today is the God who is present today. The God who is here right now, most especially in this COVID-19 crisis that we are in. Now, if you ask me, what would be the two scariest things that this world would encounter? In my thinking, the two scariest things that would actually threaten human existence would be, number one, calamities, pestilence, earthquakes, typhoons, and things like that. Things like this actually threaten our human existence. And not only that, one other thing that would probably scare us would be the threat of war. These two things actually threaten our own human survival as well as existence. And thankfully, this psalm is a great encouragement because somehow with the COVID-19 crisis, we feel as if our own human existence is being threatened. In the United States of America, for example, right now, there have been more than 80,000 deaths. And then in Italy, in Spain, I think they have either breached or about to reach the 30,000 level. France is not far behind. The United Kingdom is not far behind. And as far as we are concerned, the numbers are still spiking up. And this is the reason why the enhanced community quarantine has been extended all the way to May 31, at least in our city. In other cities, they are right now in GCQ or general community quarantine. Having said that, however, there is still so much fear, so much insecurity, and so much instability. Let Psalm 46 be a tremendous encouragement to all of us. Now, this psalm actually uh, can be divided into two parts. In verses 1 to 3, we find God's present help in calamities. And in verses 4 to 11, we find God's present help in war. Allow me to dive in into our study as we have a look, first of all, at verses 1 to 3, as we have a look at God's present help in calamities. Allow me to read verse 1, first of all. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When you survey Psalm 46, you will find that there are several metaphors that actually describe who God is. And in verse 1, we actually find two of these metaphors. And aside from that, we have an additional description. Let me run down this uh, metaphors as well as the description. First, it says that God is a refuge. Number two, it says that God is their strength. And finally, it says that God is their fortress. Now, let me break this down for all of us so that we could best appreciate all these metaphors and descriptions about who our God is. The first metaphor here is that God is a refuge. Now, a refuge is a place of rest as well as a place of asylum. 
And I think for most of the Jews, this was actually very significant because there were certain life situations wherein they could actually kill somebody accidentally. And the good thing is under Levitical law, there was a provision that was made by God that if it happened that you so accidentally killed somebody, you could run away into a city of refuge. And actually, one of the places that we visited in Israel happened to be a city of refuge. And we're talking about the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights happened to be one of the places of refuge in Israel during the ancient times. So if, for example, you killed somebody accidentally, the threat of your life was an avenger, somebody who was a relative of this person whom you accidentally killed. Now, he could actually kill you for doing that. And so according to the provision of the law, you could actually run into the asylum or you could run into the city of refuge and find safety in that place. You could stay for as long as you want for as long as the priest of that particular city was still alive. And so once again, this is the picture that is presented to us. God is our place of safety. Isn't that a word of comfort to all of us? Because we're all so afraid of this invisible enemy, this invisible virus, this COVID-19. And we're wondering, where do we find safety? Our safety, my dear brothers and sisters, is found in God. He is our refuge, He is our rest, and He is also our asylum. Now here we find also a second uh, description of God, that God is their strength. Now this means that God is the source of power for living. You know, one of the things that has happened, I think, to a lot of people, believers included, is that there is that feeling of weakness at this time, that feeling of being vulnerable, that feeling of being helpless at this time. And so we're wondering, where can we gain strength? I believe there are some people who have become quite depressed. In fact, I bring you sad news that one megachurch pastor in the United States committed suicide. And the number of pastors who are committing suicide are growing in numbers, particularly in the past couple of years. So even pastors themselves have not been exempted from this feeling of despondency, this feeling of depression, this feeling of helplessness. And to them, the easiest way out is to kill themselves. And of course, I am praying that that will not happen to anyone amongst us, most especially to those of you who are viewing me right now. That is not the solution. That is not the way to go. I believe, friends, that we need to find our strength in God. And God will be able to provide that in the same way that He provided great strength in the case of Martin Luther. I believe that Martin Luther really felt helpless. He felt alone. He was a pioneer. He was the pioneer of the Reformation. 
it took some time before others began to join him in. People like John Calvin, people like uh, uh, John Knox, people like uh, the other reformers. It took some time before it gained some momentum. But then, in the meantime, as he was a pioneer, as he was alone in this situation, God was somehow strengthening him. And that is something that you and I can experience as well, the strength of the Lord. But the third description, I believe, is quite helpful here. It says, God is a very present help in trouble. So in summary, we see in verse 1, that God is our refuge, that God is our strength. But I think what is truly helpful for us, most especially now, is that God is our very present help. While yesterday and tomorrow are very important to us, and we've seen God helping us in the past, and we know that God will help us in the future, what actually hits us today is God as our present help. So friends, I would like to encourage you that God is actually helping us right now. Now some of you are probably thinking, well, how is God helping us? Well, God has helped us in so many ways. The fact that you are listening to me right now means that God has provided for you. It means that you still have internet, you still have electricity in your home. It means that you're still eating probably three times a day or maybe even more than three times a day. So that in itself is proof that God has delivered us somewhat. But of course, we know that for some people, they are in great difficulty at this time. And so we're asking, well, how has God been my present help as of this time. At this time, and at this point, I'd like to share to you one of the uh, sharings of my dear friend, Michael O. And he shared about the grace that God provides for us in this COVID-19 crisis. And he relates the story of a man from China who testified in the Lausanne movement, which was actually held in Manila. We were the host of the Lausanne movement at that time. And during that uh, very historic moment, there was this Chinaman who testified about how God had given him grace in the midst of persecution. What had happened to him was he was arrested because of his Christian faith. And one of the punishments that was given to him while he was in prison was to clean up the cesspool of the prison house. Now think about the stench, the dirt, and the filth of that. And he was assigned there. Why? Because many of his captors believed that that was the place where Christians are supposed to be. They're supposed to be in the cesspool. They're supposed to be in the dirt, in the filth, in the scum and the dung of this world. And so he was assigned in that place. And he said the stench was so bad. It was really so bad that many of those who were prisoners dared not, and even those who were guarding dared not to come near. 
And yet he said, it was in that place that he found great communion with the Lord. It was in that place that he experienced great intimacy with God. In fact, that place, that cesspool, became a garden to him. It was a place where he was able to sing and talk aloud to the Lord because nobody was near. He was alone by himself, but he was alone with God who was his very present help. And so friends, as Michael O. would say, in that place, he experienced cesspool grace. And right now, in our situation, as Michael O. would say, we are experiencing COVID-19 grace. And so yes, brothers and sisters, in the midst of the difficulties and storms that you and I are going through, in the midst of this very horrifying, difficult situation that we are in, friends, God is our very present help. And we are thankful to God that we have a God who is there for us right now. So praise the Lord for that. I'd like to go on and let's proceed with verses 2 to 3 at this time. It says here, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Now, verses 2 and 3 are actually parallel passages that speak about two very powerful calamities. And let me just read some of the phrases that we find here. It says, though the earth should change. And then you find another phrase which says, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Now, what does this speak of? This is speaking of very powerful earthquakes that can actually change the topography of the land. And you and I just very recently experienced a very powerful earthquake here in Cebu. I think it was 7.2 magnitude. And I recall the time because we were actually here in the center. We were at the third floor wherein we could actually feel the power of this earthquake my wife together with my niece and my daughter were actually in the IBI library and the shaking was actually so violent that the book started to fall down. It started to topple down. The whole place was shaking horizontally and vertically. And I myself was in the hall of Abraham and everything was shaken and so shaking and so all of us came running out of our respective halls and we went to the second floor. We stopped there because the building was still under construction and most of our construction workers were up at the second floor and we all stopped and we were feeling the earthquake. I could see actually the concrete shaking and moving and that lasted for about, I think, 30 seconds. But believe me, it felt like it lasted for a long, long time. I might be exaggerating in saying that I felt that it was not going to end, but that was actually 
how I felt. In fact, I told the Lord, Lord, when is this going to end? And you know what? That was one of the scariest moments in my personal life. And I'm sure that for those of you who experienced an earthquake, you could recall those horrifying moments. Now, there's another phrase here, actually two phrases, which says, The mountains slip into the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam. And what do you think this was talking about? This is talking about a raging flood, much like a tsunami or maybe a storm surge. We all know what happened in Tacloban, that great storm surge. And we still probably recall, I think way back uh, a few years, a few decades ago, that tsunami that, that hit Thailand and the tsunami that hit Indonesia. These are very, very scary, very horrifying moments. And we do not want to experience those things. And once again, COVID-19 might not be an earthquake. It might, it might not be a tsunami. But believe me, it is just as scary as well. And many of us, many of us are being eaten up in our nerves by this COVID-19 virus. Now, in the face of these two very powerful calamities, what a great encouragement to find that our God is our comfort, that our God is our refuge, that our God is our strength, and that our God is our ever-present help. He is here right now, he is helping us in the midst of this calamity. He is helping us in the midst of this difficulty that you and I are in. So no matter what happens and however it will happen, God will be there for us. Now, as we move to verses 4 to 11, we find God's present help as well in war. Another very horrifying situation which you and I would never want to be in. Verses 4 to 5 reads, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now, in verses 4 and 5, we actually find a description of a particular locality. And what is that locality? Well, let's turn to verse 4. It says, make glad the city of God. And then it speaks about the holy dwelling places of the Most High. And so the city of God, obviously here, is Jerusalem. And we know that this is referring to Jerusalem because... Jerusalem is where Mount Moriah is. This is where the Temple Mount is. This is where the dwelling places of God are. So this is actually in reference to Jerusalem. Now this particular psalm is quite inspiring because it says here, There is a river whose streams make glad the seed of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. Now, here's something quite 
interesting because actually when you go to Jerusalem, there is no river there. So the question is, why is it that the psalmist includes a river here? By the way, the only body of water you will find there is just a little spring, which is called the Gihon Spring. So obviously, this was a metaphorical detail in this particular psalm. Now, what does a river represent here? I'm going to talk to you about what a river is all about, but I'd like you also to notice the contrast between a river, which is actually a picture of stillness and calmness. In fact, if you go to Israel, your imagination of a river would be the Jordan River. And we have been there, my dear brothers and sisters, and there you find stillness and calmness. That is the picture that is given here. Now, this is in stark contrast to the raging waters that were described in the previous verses. So now there is a contrast that is given here. And I'd like you to understand that the metaphor of river here speaks about God's grace and life-giving presence, bringing about the favor and the blessing and the restoration of God. And so what is it trying to tell us? In the midst of the calamities, in the midst of this earthquake, in the midst of the raging waters, we are not to fear. Why? Because in God's city, what do we discover? We discover the peaceful river of God. In this river, we find the grace of God, His life-giving presence, His favor, as well as His blessing. This was something that the people of Israel expected in the midst of those terrible calamities. And somehow, in application to us believers today, this also speaks of God's favor, God's blessing, God's comfort, God's strength to us. Yes, the situation that we find in our country, in our city, in our province, as well as all over the world, we find a situation that, that truly is earth-shaking. But in the midst of this turbulence, my dear brothers and sisters, there is a river. There is a river, my dear brothers and sisters, wherein God brings comfort, wherein God brings blessing, wherein God brings restoration as a result of His presence. In fact, it says here in the phrase, she will not be moved. Now, isn't this wonderful? Again, we find a contrast here. In the previous verses, it was talking about very powerful earthquakes that would actually change the topography of a particular land. And yet here, God is saying that the city of God will not be moved. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, this is our hope. Yes, everywhere around us, there are earth shaking events but we will not be moved in the same way that the city of God was not moved we will not be moved and why is it that the city of God in this psalm could not be moved because it says here God 
is in the midst of her. And friends, that is likewise our situation. Yes, there is so much that is ongoing, but God is in our midst. God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And that is what you and I are very thankful for. The great doctrine of the presence of God, which is seen over the Bible, all over the Bible, both in the Old and New Testaments, should be reason for us not to fear. How many times have we found many exhortations in the Bible wherein God says, do not fear, do not be afraid, take courage, be still. These are verses of Scripture that we find both in the Old as well as in the New Testament. So the presence of God is actually a great comfort to us. Now safety, my dear brothers and sisters, is not the absence of danger. But safety is in the midst of all these dangers for as long as we have the presence of God, we are safe. And I think this is the particular thought that is being given to us in this particular psalm. And then we segue into another verse which says, God will help her when morning dawns. God will help her when morning dawns. This tells us, that though we might be passing through the darkest nights of our lives, which is what COVID-19 feels, dawn is coming and the sun will shine once again in our lives. Let me just say this once again. The sun will shine once again in our lives. There is a future hope that is for us that is waiting for us, brothers and sisters. And that is why do not lose hope at this time. Do not be discouraged. Do not be despondent. Do not allow the boredom that you are feeling right now to intimidate you and to discourage you. But let us put our trust in the Lord. Now is the time for us to seek the presence of God in our lives. Now is the time to practice the presence of the Lord. Because as the Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. There is no nook and cranny in our house that God is not present. And whenever you go out and do your grocery, whenever you are riding that vehicle, understand that the presence of God goes with you. There is never a time that you are alone. There is never a time that you are secluded from the presence of God. God is always there. And that is what you and I need to trust. There will be an end to our suffering, COVID-19 will pass. We go to verse 6 right now, and it says, The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered, he raised his voice, the earth melted. Now what is this verse talking about? This is talking about powerful nations which may threaten those that are weaker nations, and they might cause 
destruction all over. Widespread destruction all over. But in the end, when God raises His voice, they will come to their end. Yes, brothers and sisters, all it takes is the voice of God to end it all. And sometimes we think that this is too simplistic. But let me remind you, this world, this universe that you and I are in was created by the word of the Lord and by the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is powerful to put a stop to these destructive nations. Now, a lot of Bible scholars actually find it difficult to determine the actual historical situation of this psalm. But there are quite a number of Bible scholars who believe that this must have been during the time when Judah or Jerusalem was under attack by the mighty and powerful Assyrian army. Now, if that is true, Psalm 46 is quite relevant in how God was able to deliver them. And so I'd like to read to you 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 32, as we talk about the prophecy that Isaiah gave to the king, which somehow encouraged the king in the face of the onslaught of the mighty Assyrian army. And so here is a portion of Isaiah's prophecy. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to the city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same way he will return, and he shall not come to the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now here's what happened. Verse 35, Then it happened that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about as he was worshipping in the house of Nishroh, his god, that Adramelech and Sharezer killed him with a sword. And they escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. What a great and mighty deliverance that God brought about to the very small nation, to the very small kingdom in the southern part of Israel. They were actually no match to the mighty Assyrian army. The mighty Assyrian army had destroyed so many nations. The Assyrian army was growing in strength and growing in its extension as a kingdom. And yet right now, in the face of God's presence, in the face of God's voice alone, they were defeated mightily by God. 185,000 of them died as a result of the mighty hand of God. In verse 7, 
It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Once again, the phrase, the Lord of hosts is with us, signifies that God is our ever-present help. Remember that, brothers and sisters. He was there for us yesterday. He will be there in the future. But He is with us right now, today. Let us not forget that. In fact, the phrase, the Lord is with us, is quite interesting because in the Hebrew text, it actually reads, He is for us. So God is not only with us, but He is for us. And not only that, in the Hebrew text of Psalm 46, there is a threefold repetition of that phrase, for us. And so if you could just recite this together with me, say, God is for us. God is for us. And God is for us. And then when you examine this particular psalm once again, you also find a twofold repetition of the word with us. So could you recite this with me? God is with us. God is with us. So please do not forget that. The God that you and I serve, He is for us. The God that you and I serve, He is with us. In times of great trouble, what a great assurance we are given by God that He is for us and that He is with us. And then in this verse, it says, The God of Jacob is our stronghold. It speaks of a mighty fortress in an elevated place which protected the people of God. And what I particularly recall during this time would be Masada. Masada is a very high and elevated place. And it took two years before the Roman Empire, the mighty Roman Empire was actually able to reach that mighty fortress and they were only able to reach that fortress because they put up rams all the way to Masada. But friends, our God is a greater Masada. He is a greater fortress. And no mighty army, no mighty nation can be able to penetrate the fortress of our God. That is who our God is. I believe now is the time for us to have a high view of God because many, many times in this COVID-19 crisis, we think of God as very small and very minute and very powerless. No, our God is a stronghold. Our God is a mighty fortress. That is how we are to view who our God is. He is our ever-present help, dear brothers and sisters. As our fortress, it speaks about security and protection. Our God makes us secure and our God will protect us. Now in verse 8 and 9, we find the psalmist upping the tempo. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. 
Now, this particular verse is an exhortation for us to consider the works of God in the past. In fact, the people of Israel had to recount how God had delivered them against more powerful nations. Other nations had advanced weaponry like, for example, Assyria, which we have been talking about here. They had advanced weaponry. They, in fact, had what was called as compound arrows. These were very powerful arrows that could actually bring down soldiers who were atop a very high wall. They also had siege towers and rams which could actually destroy walls as well as powerful city gates. And likewise, the mighty Assyrian army had chariots wherein their elite fighters would, would be on that chariot and they would shoot their arrows atop on top of those uh, chariots. And so they had a very distinct advantage. But God was saying they are no match to the power of God. That is why here the psalmist was saying, Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations on the earth. Now the recounting of God's history of powerful deeds reminds us of God's faithfulness in preserving us, in protecting us, and in taking care of us. He is the God who, was in, who is an ever-present help in the past. And in this particular verse, in verse 9, it talks about God's ability to put a stop to war. Yes, He can put a stop to mighty armies. He can put a stop to mighty nations. He can put a stop to all the weaponry that people might have. In fact, when this psalm speaks about how God makes war cease, he is also talking about something that would happen in the future. So allow me to delve into a little bit of eschatology or a doctrine of future things that will happen in our world. Notice what Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, and this will happen in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Isaiah 2 verse 4, and he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Now we are waiting for that kind of a world, a world wherein there is perfect peace, a world where there will no longer be any wars. Nations will no longer be fighting against each other. This is what Isaiah is prophesying. And so God will be an ever-present help in the future, in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now there are more verses of scripture that confirm this in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 39 verse 9 reads, Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them, both shields and bucklers, bows and arrows, war clubs and spears, and for seven years they will make fires of them. God will destroy all the implements of war. God will destroy all the instruments of war. 
Praise God that our God will be able to do that. Micah chapter 4 verse 3 says, And he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again. Will they train for war? Never again will they train for war. What a world that would be. A world of peace. A world wherein nations would be loving each other and not hating each other. Zechariah 9 verse 10 reads, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. And the bow of war will be cut off. And he will speak peace to the nations. And his dominion will be from sea to sea. And from river to the ends of the earth. This tells us that the ever-present God who was there in the past will be there as well in the future. Indeed, the world that we are living in right now is a world of frustration. It is a world of sorrow. It is a world of, of grief. It is a world of despair. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, a day and a time will come when the world that we are living in will be what it should be. Will be how it should be. A world of peace. A world where there will be prosperity and abundance. A world where, wherein Jesus Christ will reign and rule. Oh yes, we await that, that future wherein there is so much brightness and so much glory. Christ and God will be exalted during that time. And that is why verse 10 declares, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Now God is the God of the past. He is the God of the present. And He is the God of the future. And this is the reason why it is saying here, Cease striving and know that I am God. It is a call to rest. It is a call to stop panicking. And in the words of the millennials, it is saying, chill. It is now time for us to chill in the midst of COVID-19, brothers and sisters. This psalm exhorts us to know or be aware that the Lord is God. At this particular juncture, I would like to ask you, are you aware of God? Are you aware of His presence? One of the things I believe the devil is trying to do is he is making us forget the presence of the Lord. He is removing from us the doctrine of God's presence. And this is the time for us to remind ourselves to be aware that our God is present in our midst. Yes, you heard me. Our God is present in our midst. Then it says, I will be exalted among the nations. What does this speak of? It speaks about the sovereignty of God over the nations. And because God is sovereign over the nations, He can make wars to cease. 
And then here we find another phrase which says, I will be exalted in the earth. Now what does this speak of? It speaks about the sovereignty of God over the earth. And because of that, He can stop all these calamities. He is sovereign over all calamities. This is who our God is. These things that overwhelm us, the calamities, the wars that take place, the many dangers that you and I face. Friends, God is sovereign over them. And that is why we have to cease striving and know that God is in the midst of us. Now, the exhortation cease striving also calls us to stop trusting in anything else except God himself. And once again, we are pinned to a corner. We don't know what to do. So what do we do, brothers and sisters? Put your trust in the Lord. Put your whole weight of trust in God and in God alone. Only God can deliver you. Only God can save you. Only God can exalt you. Only God can provide for you. Only God can perform a miracle for you. So trust in God and in God alone. Now, why should we trust the Lord? The answer is found in verse 11. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Allow me to remind you what the Lord of hosts is. It is a military title. This is the military title of God. He is the the God of the heavenly armies. And oftentimes God reminds us that the battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. We have a God who is fighting for us. Remember that. In the midst of COVID-19, our God is fighting for us. He is fighting for you as an individual. He is fighting for your marriage. He is fighting for your children. He is doing everything possible to preserve us, to protect us, to care for us in the midst of this pandemic scare. We are to put our trust in the Lord because it also says here, the Lord of hosts is with us. He is present in our lives. He is not absent, my dear brothers and sisters. He is here with us. As you are listening to me right now, understand He is there with you right now. There is never a moment in your life that He will desert you. There is never a moment in your life that He will forsake you. He is the good shepherd and He will always be there to be with you, to protect you, to preserve you, to take good care of you. And then it says here, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. He is our mighty fortress. And then it says, He is our God, the God of Jacob. And you see, I'd like to share something very powerful here. Because yes, our God is God. He is the Most High. He is the Lord of hosts. But let us also remember that He is the God of of Jacob. He is also a personal God. Therefore, I can also say he is the God of Mel. I can say he is the God of Marie. He is the God of William. 
He is the God of Rachel. He is the God of Nick. He is the God of every believer in Christ. And this is our confidence. Our God is not a distant God who is folding his hands and watching us from a distance and just merely trying to find out how we are doing. He is not an apathetic God who is folding his hands, who does not care what happens to us. No, our God is present in the midst of our calamities. He is there in the midst of our trouble. That is how we are to see our God. He is a personal God. He is with us every single day. But at this point in time, I would like to ask you this question. In the same manner that Israel could say he is the God of Jacob, in the same way that I could say he is the God of Mel, could you say that he is your own personal God? Because all these principles that we find about God's abiding presence can only be true in your life if God is your God. Now you might say, but but isn't it true that, that every single one of us, God is our God? And I would like to say, unfortunately, that is not true. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ chided some of the Pharisees and scribes and even called them in a railing way that they were children of the devil. The Bible says to them that believed in him, to them that believed in Christ, gave he the right. To become children of God. And so therefore what is very important is for you to receive Christ into your life. To be the Lord and the Savior of your life. He is there for you and He desires for you to be saved. He desires to cleanse and wash you from all your past and present even your future sins. He desires to live and dwell in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, He can change you. He can mold you. You can bear the likeness of Christ. So would you today, right now, accept Christ? Would you today, right now, receive the gospel? Salvation, your salvation and your hope lies in Christ alone. There is no other God. There is no other Savior. You cannot be the Savior of yourself. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you are going to be saved, if you are going to be delivered, if you are going to be changed, if you are going to be sanctified, it is only because Jesus Christ has come into your life. Make Him the Lord of your life. Once again, friends, do not rely on anything, not on your good works, but only on Christ's finished work in Calvary. And that is what will save you. And so friends, wars and calamities produce what? They produce very unstable and insecure environments. But praise God, in this divine crescendo, 
we find God's ascending might and God's ascending power and God's ascending glory every single day is a revelation of who our God is and what do we discover? A great and mighty and glorious God who is an ever-present help not only yesterday, not only tomorrow, but He is an ever-present help today. God bless you, brothers and sisters. And let us now come before the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and we bless you, O God. What a blessing it is to have you as our God. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our anxieties and fears, we thank you that you are a God who is our ever-present help. And right now, Father, I know that your presence abides with every single one of us, most especially those who are viewing this stream, O oh God. Your presence is with them. And perhaps even right now, they, they sense your peace, they sense your joy, they sense your manifest presence. And Father, right now, you have calmed and you have stilled their souls. And now, Father, they understand that you walk with them. That this journey that we have is not a journey by our own selves alone. This is a journey wherein we are accompanied not just by any other person. We are accompanied by the Most High God, who is our refuge, who is our fortress. Oh, what a blessing that is. And our prayer is that more and more people might find you, Lord, as their refuge, as their ever-present help. We thank you, O oh God, for today. And we thank you, Lord, that we could continue participating in the work of the Lord, Father, as we continue to bless your ministry, as we continue to bless the church, as we continue to bless your workers, O oh God so that the work of God might be extended, so that your name might be glorified. So whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So it's been a wonderful uh, Sunday, brothers and sisters. I hope that you are greatly edified and greatly encouraged by the Word of God. I myself was preaching to myself, and I myself was greatly encouraged. And if you would like to encourage other people, I would like you to do so by liking and sharing this video. Please share it to as many people as possible. Put it on your Facebook wall. Tag as many people as you can. Please send this through Messenger, through Viber. Maybe even email this message. And by the way, this also comes out on YouTube form, and so you can share that as well. So God bless you, brothers and sisters. Please stay safe. God is with us. My wife says hi and goodbye. God bless you all. See you next time.